Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Tony Gwynn Jr. is growing fast, so when he comes to the ballpark with dad, a snack has to follow the workout. Basically, just shag. That's it. Don't do nothing else except for eat. Very curious to see how good a player he'll become. Line drive, center field. Will that fall? Gutierrez can't get it. He lost the ball. Here comes Hairston to score, and Gwynn is flying around third. He's going to try it inside the park home run, and he has done it. Dad is also one of the best outfielders in the league, but Tony Jr. prefers another position. Short. I don't like the outfield because I just don't like the outfield. And he hits one to left field. It is going to be caught by Tony Gwynn to save the game. But does Tony Jr. want to play pro ball? It's a matter of get, keeping the grades up. If I can do that, yeah, probably. And a fly ball deep to right. Back goes Gonzalez, and this one is gone. Tony Gwynn hits his second home run of the year, and the Dodgers now lead 7-1. to one. We could see the name Gwynn in Major League box scores well into the next century. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. It's hit and run on 670 The Score, indeed. I'm Matt Spiegel. Producer Sean Anderson put that together, and that was fun to hear a lot of that stuff as we are joined right now. By Radio.com Sports Insider, Tony Gwynn Jr. Insider calls are brought to you by Pennzoil, motor oils made from natural gas. The proof is in the Pennzoil. And Tony Gwynn Jr. joins us on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Good morning, Tony. How are you? Good morning. That was a heck of an intro right there. <laughs> good, man. Good. It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun to hear some of that stuff, to hear your voice as a kid say, I don't like the outfield. Short, <laughs> short is where it's at. As as a father of an eight-year-old, I recognize the sound of like friendly rebellion in your voice right there. Like, right. You know, like maybe I'm like maybe I'm wrong, but Dad plays the outfield. Forget that. Give me shortstop. That, that that's where it's at. Did you do you have a little of that in you as a kid? There, there, there definitely was a little bit of that, you know. And, and at that at that that age, I think I was about. 11 or 12 at that age you all the action in little league is in the infield so that's what it was about it was me wanting to be around the action as opposed to be standing out there picking daisies 
you got you. Well, that, that makes all the sense in the world. Well, it's like, and most of the players, most of the great players in baseball now probably started out as shortstops. Or it may be center fielders, maybe catchers. But if you're if you're the best player on your ten year old team, you're playing short, aren't you? No, no doubt, no doubt. That is that is the premier position. That's why you see a lot of big leaguers start. They they start at the at their minor league careers at shortstop, and as you know, they start to develop. They have the athleticism to really go anywhere, and that tends to happen a lot. Well, there's a lot I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, about Tony uh, today. So I appreciate the time. But let's start with uh, shortstop and start with great athletes, because we live in a town, at least I do right now, right here, Tony, where the White Sox went for it and picked up James Shields a couple years ago. Um, And that did not go so well. And in the process, they gave up Fernando Tatis Jr. And you, as a Padres broadcaster, in addition to your Radio.com work, get a chance to watch him. What where does he rank amongst the transcendent athletes in this game today as you watch him? He's at the very least, you can say he he's on his way to the top. Um, you know, I, I'm, I this I love this game of baseball, and I've always looked at it as a as a an endurance type sport. So, you know, being that he's only in his second year uh, playing at the big league level, uh, there is some caveats to it. But getting a chance to to watch him every single day, there is there's no doubt in my mind uh, that. At this point, he's on his way to being at the top of that list in terms of transcending. I mean, it's very rare. I don't know that it's ever really happened here in San Diego where you, we've had a, a national-type star uh, in the organization. I know my dad was a Hall of Famer, but it took a long time before my dad actually started to get notoriety nationally. Uh, Fernando Tatis hasn't even played 162 games in his career and he's already starting to get that kind of attention, and it's well-deserved. I think he's improved so much defensively this year. And offensively, it's just hard to see a ceiling right now. It really is. The guy does something different every single day that makes you think he's on his way to being in a conversation with the likes of a guy like Mike Trout and and Mookie Betts. Man, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about it, and I'll age myself and say – that I loved watching your dad and like I loved watching Wade Boggs, right? And I appreciated right. the kind of ball players they were, but it wasn't this kind of phenomenon. I'll age myself further and say that Dave Winfield was. When Winfield was out there, it was like, all right, that I need to see, how can I see more of that? How can I find my way to more of that? And that's and that's what Tatis has. It's kind of like Javi Baez in this town. There's just there's something so exciting and so special about the athleticism, about the instincts. It's like, it's like they just they just ate a star in Super Mario Brothers, and they just have that explosive energy that makes them different, and and special. Yeah, you, that Padres that Padres bunch is really really good. Um, it seems Tony as a young core, are they ready to keep going and 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 make the postseason in this weird ass year? <laughs> I, I I think they got a shot to make the postseason this year and. Uh, this is a this is a team that has a good mix of old and, and young. I shouldn't say old, but veterans and young, young guys <laughs> on this squad. And um, they've they've hit a little rough patch here, lady. They the offense kind of woke up last night, but they've had a lot of issues with with the bullpen. Kirby Yates is, is on the IL with some elbow discomfort. That's a a big loss. They lose the young kid Munoz in during spring training to Tommy John, who was throwing upwards of 101 miles per hour. So. They're missing some pieces in that bullpen that 
at the beginning of spring training, spring training made them one of the premier bullpens in the league. It hasn't quite lived up to that bill. And uh, at this point, that seems to be one of the things that's slowing them down. Offensively, they've been one of the top offenses all season long. Starting pitching has been surprisingly good uh, really throughout the rotation with the exception of one spot. But the bullpen has been shaky. It, it, it's it's – I think he's 27th in the league right now in terms of ERA and just hasn't quite lived up to the bill. But manager Jay Tingler is, 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 has been pretty steadfast in, in terms of believing that these guys are going to pull themselves out of it. Yeah, then some bad news on Kirby Yates, um, the closer, who's going to be on the shelf for a little while. But not, not Tommy John, not, nothing major announced in that sense yet, correct? Correct. It's, I think it was reported uh, some bone chips in his elbow. He wants to get a second opinion. This is it comes at a tough time for him. He, he's headed into his free agent year after having a, a having a really grind through to get to this point in his career. It, it, you, you, your heart hurts watching a guy like that who had to, you know, really didn't have the same type of um, uh, this, you know ascent that everybody else does that typically is in this position. He had to grind for it, and to see him have to come out of the game yesterday with some elbow, you can see it in his face. Uh, but hopefully he's able to return. It's just this short season doesn't 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 make that likely. Hmm. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. joining us right now here on 670 The Score. Man, you mentioned Mookie Betts. Dodgers have three different guys who've been MVP. Thursday night, Betts hits three homers. Um, uh, I did tying him with Sammy Sosa and Johnny Mize for the most games <laughs> ever with three home runs, right. which is just insane. Uh, then Kershaw's great on Friday. Bellinger hits a couple homers on Friday. Last night, for anybody who didn't get a chance to see, Mookie with a home run to tie the game in the seventh. They beat the Angels, uh, uh, you know, uh, 6-5 in 10. Are the Dodgers that extra special class above the rest as you've watched teams around baseball? I, I expected them to be. Them and the Yankees, and frankly, the surprise Chicago Cubs, pretty damn good right now. Yeah. How good are the Dodgers as you're watching, Tony? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, the, the Chicago Cubs are an interesting case this year. But to talk about the Dodgers, though, they are, I believe, the, a cut above everybody else. Uh, the Padres, you know, look forward to facing them. Um, they, they, they played well in the first series. They go to L.A., they take the first two, and it's looking like the Potters are trying to send the message. And then in the next two games, the Dodgers came out and just they, they, they blitzed the Padres. And you got a chance to see why this team is so dangerous, so talented. Uh, you mentioned Mookie Betts. He started getting hot in that Padres series, and he seemingly has done something every night since then that has had an impact on the game. And, Shoot, that's why they gave him the extension. You mentioned Bellinger, the MVP last year. He's been off to a slow start. He seems like he's starting to pick it up. Kershaw just keeps reinventing himself. He looks terrific. They haven't even really got the best Walker Buehler yet at this point, and they found a way to get into the first place. Um, this team is good, and what makes them more exceptional is not just their stars. They have depth. When they have injuries, they plug a guy in, and they just keep moving, and, and it's it's really rare you see a team constructed the way that the Dodgers are, where they just have depth at every position. They got interchangeable parts. Um, and, and listen, there's a reason why they've won seven straight Western divisions because uh, this is one of those teams that 
is built for the long haul. And, and you know what? They're also built for a short season like this. They got the kind of stars that can carry you in a short season when people are still trying to get right. So uh, the Padres are getting better, but the Dodgers are still the, the cream of the crop, I think, in all of baseball. This season is the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues um, and baseball honoring the Negro Leagues today uh, as and, and also going to tie that in with um, the Jackie Robinson celebration that usually takes place in, in April with everybody wearing number 42. We've, we've talked a lot about getting more African-American ballplayers in, into the game in this town. It's a lovely story when a great young black player in Ed Howard is your first round draft pick for the Cubs. And, um, and man, in this time we watched Jackie Robinson West five years ago, and it was just so much fun and to see Ed Howard there now. Are you still, are you still managing or, or in charge of travel ball teams, Tony? Cause I knew you, I know you were I, for a while. Yeah. We still have, we still have, we still have about four or five teams. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So four or five travel ball teams and you do some work with the players Alliance. Tell people about the work you're doing with the players Alliance and trying to get more African-American kids into the game. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is, is is trying to provide opportunity uh, for more uh, African-American kids uh, to get involved with the game. Listen, baseball is operating from a, a different standpoint than they have in the 70s and 80s and even in the 90s. Um, the other sports that um, attract a lot of African-American players are, are a lot more popular than they were in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So... I think baseball's got to find a way to, to reinvent um, how they go about promoting the game in general, but especially to to all the little black kids that out there that are interested in playing uh, the game of baseball. And um, a player alliance is 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 really trying to put our focus on helping kids have the opportunity to play, providing the opportunity, uh, providing the exposure for kids that are playing and maybe not don't have the means uh, to get to some of these tournaments. A lot, a lot of travel ball is just very, it's, just, it's expensive. It, it really is. And it really prices out uh, a, a lot of um, lower income families uh, to be able to play. So you, you got to know somebody. So we're trying to provide the opportunity. We're trying to create the awareness uh, for, for more black kids to be out there playing a game that um, I think we all enjoy and love. Hmm. I, I wonder, I mean, obviously baseball, Major League Baseball could give more money to leagues of that nature and like and facilities of, of that nature. That's one thing. But I wonder, like the the money in baseball is so real when it's guaranteed, yeah. when you get there. Is it? And I remember looking at that and, and thinking, boy, if I could choose. Yeah, that would be the way to do it. But. Is it the fact that the the road to get there, traversing the miners and fighting your way through, is so arduous? Whereas it's much more immediate with football and basketball. Even though the opportunities are fewer, the success is more tangible in an immediate sense. Yeah, I, I think you've you've hit hit the nail on the head right there. It, it, the fact that baseball, I mean, it, it could be two three years before you actually get to that point. Uh, the big leagues, whereas in basketball, football, like you said, that's that's kind of instant gratification. It's an instant. There's a there's a right nowness to uh, those opportunities, and 
again, that I think that just boils down to to us trying to, and when I say us, I mean the, our Players Alliance, trying to get kids to understand that, yes, those sports are great, but this one has the, the longevity that you're looking for. You can play this game uh, up into your mid-30s and, and play it effectively. Um, that's harder to do in those other sports. It just is. The body, it takes a, a, a much much harder beating playing basketball and football. And, um, again, I, I think it's it's about awareness. It's about getting us getting those kids to realize that this game this game could be very fun and it could be very rewarding uh, when it's all said and done. And at the end of the day, you'll, you'll still be able to have all, all your limbs in place and, 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 <laughs> and, 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 have, a health, and have a healthy life. So uh, that's really what, you know, the player alliance is, is, is trying to do. And uh, I think Major League Baseball, they do have programs. they got the RBI program, and I think the, the issue – with some of those programs is the follow-up. You get those kids out for a camp, they come out to have a good time, but then what? You know, they still can't mm-hmm. afford the gloves and the bats that are, you know, at, at a very high price. So, you know, they, they then they move on to something else. So I think we have to do a better job of following up after, you know, those, that was those initial meetings to keep them engaged in the game of baseball. I'll share on my Twitter feed this uh, the link to the video and the website for the Players Alliance, and f- some folks have seen it. I know in the video is is Jason Hayward, is Ed Howard, um, Chicago, and Curtis Granderson has done so much good stuff with UIC facilities and otherwise yeah. here in CC Sabathia and more. I'll share that in a moment on my Twitter feed at Matt Spiegel 670. Uh, just another moment or two with Tony Gwynn Jr. and, and really appreciate the time. Um, all right, so my son is eight years old, and for the first time, Tony is showing interest in going out there and hitting every day. Like I, I go out and I, I, it, it, I mean, I tried and I felt like I was forcing it and I was pushing it too hard and he didn't care. And now all of a sudden he's interested. Now I'm, I'm blessed. I have two stepdaughters who were uh, college softball players. So they're taking him okay. out there and hitting. And I, I think that's working better than me being the one out there and having it mixed in with like, do you do the dishes and clean your room and transfer <laughs> your weight from the back <laughs> as, as you swing. And he, um, how was your dad with that in like, did he force it onto you? Did it, because obviously you found it yourself. You became a, a big league player but it, it, by your own right. I don't know how much of that was your dad and how much of that was you in terms of in your youth and finding the interest. Honestly, my dad was 100% hands off in my youth playing baseball. And a lot of that was because, you know, when Little League starts, baseball season's in full swing. So, um, but he, I think he recognized because we shared the same name, um, there are some hurdles if I was going to follow in his footsteps. And the one weapon that I could have is having a love for the game on my own. And, and because he didn't put pressure on me in any shape or form, I don't know that he ever really said anything to me unless I was actually asking him questions. Um, I think because of that, I was able to develop a love uh, for the game. And listen, baseball is – has so much failure involved in it. If you don't love it on your own, it won't last. You won't play for a, a very long time because uh, you have to be, you have to really love it to be able to deal with those failures. Um, I mean, we talk about it a lot, but the great players in this game only get hits three out of 10 times. That's seven times you're mm-hmm. walking back to the dugout feeling like you didn't do something to help your team. And, and that can be hard for kids. And if you don't have, 
a love for it uh, on your own, that failure will, will overwhelm you eventually. Yeah, uh, that that makes sense. You got to let them find the love. I uh, yeah. it's, it's you know Chris Chris Bryant's dad, Mike Bryant, was a prospect for the Red Sox. Learned hitting from Ted Williams, taught it to his son, and his son has exceeded what his dad did. Chris Bryant just had a kid, and told us in spring, Tony that he doesn't want his son to play baseball. Like how, how could he ask his son, <laughs> how could he ask his son to do better than Chris? I mean, that's you know him, San Diego, man. That's college player of the yeah. year. It's minor league player of the year. It's rookie of the year. It's MVP. It's world series champ. Like, so I, I understand what Chris doesn't, like you got, you have a son. Have, have you, I don't know how old your son is, but like, are you gonna suggest it or let him do what he wants? What's the approach gonna be? My- my son is where your son was. Like, so I take him out there to go hit, and it's, he takes 10, about 10, 12 hacks, and he's ready to go back inside. And I have to be <laughs> mindful that I always keep my dad in the back of my head when it comes to my son. Because, as you said, out of nowhere, it's typically how it works. When you talk to, when I talk to other dads that have sons that, you know, that, 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 are, that were playing the game at one point, they all say the same thing. At some point, it just clicks. A lot of times it comes out of nowhere. So uh, I think I understand what, what Chris is saying. I mean, obviously, he's kind of set the bar pretty high. But the beauty of it is I think as he as he gets older, he'll realize that um, he, he's gonna his mind will start to change a little bit. And when he sees his son taking a liking to what he's doing, He's really gonna have no. He's gonna have no choice now. It could very well happen. His son gets old enough, and you know he might not like baseball, and that that'll be fine too. But I think Chris realizes the the, the pressures that come with it, and he's he's coming from a place where he was trying to surpass his dad, who was a prospect. Now his son's gonna have to surpass all those things you just named: rookie of the year, MVP. Well, that will yeah. be the expectation, and inevitably, because he shared it, because he's the son of Chris Bryant, and. Uh, that's something that I had to deal with. I just came to an early understanding that I could, sh- I was going to shoot for where my dad was. If I came up short, that would likely be really good anyway. Um, and that it was just going to be hard to overcome something like that, to, to, to top that at, at the very least. So uh, you, you don't see too many father-son combos that are Hall of Famers. So I, I was okay with the career that I had, and, and, and I understood that at an early age. Yeah, anyway, you should be. So now I understand why you laughed so hard when I told you that my eight-year-old just now is showing the interest because you're you're waiting for that light bulb to come on for yours. Exactly. It gives me hope that one day he's going to come into my room, my bedroom, and be like, Dad, let's go outside and hit some balls or play catch. And my light, my face will light up at that point. (laughs) That's right. Like, literally, there was a moment my son looked at me and said, No, Daddy, you don't understand. I want to. I want to do this now. I was like, all right. (laughs) Okay. Here here we go. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., a pleasure. I'll be listening, as I usually do, to Big Time Baseball, the podcast on Radio.com, that uh, Radio.com MLB insiders John Heyman and Tony Gwynn Jr. do. A new one's released every Monday, and this was a lot of fun. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. You have a good day. You too. That's Tony Gwynn Jr. That was Radio.com Sports Insider, Tony Gwynn Jr. Insider calls are brought to you by Pennzoil. Motor oil is made from natural gas. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Telling you, it's a big summer in the Spiegel House. 
the kid says, no, daddy, you don't understand. I want to go out and hit. And now I'm throwing BP and I got the stepdaughters involved. Just, just the other day, we rode bikes on the street in a bike path straight down Wabash, about eight blocks, no turns, but on the street. And I'm in front, he's behind me. And I'm going, you okay, Rue? You okay? He's like, I'm with you. I'm with you, daddy. It's a big summer around here. Big time stuff. It's 670 the score. It's hit and run. Matt Spiegel is who you're with. That was really fun. Thank you, Sean Anderson, for setting that up. Uh, when we come back, one more nugget on the Negro Leagues that I meant to share. It's an award. It's a major award that ought to be changed a bit. And I think we know how we should change that. We'll do that next on 670 the score. Blackhawks lose. They fall in game three to the Golden Knights of round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're now down three games to none. Keep it here on the score as we recap the loss, analyze what went wrong, and get you ready for a win or... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic, the step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Go home, game four, right here on Sports Radio 670 The Score, radio.com sports station. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. Really fun to talk to Tony Gwynn Jr. A lot of people enjoyed that conversation. Appreciate it. One texter says, man, his voice is totally his dad, for real. I know it is. It's freaky. It's kind of freaky. You know he knows it. This from Doug in Shorewood. Tony Gwynn Jr. was awesome. Glad Ruben is starting to get into baseball. I know deep down you love that. Great show as always. Thank you, Doug. Yeah, man, I do. Absolutely. And I've had to... I've had to really check myself so I don't wreck myself in terms of like pushing the kid into watching it with us and certainly in playing it. But some kind of light bulb went on for him where he started to enjoy hitting, started to feel the satisfaction of making good contact and seeing the ball go a long way. So hopefully that sticks around. Uh, we'll see. Um, and and it's, it's been a good summer. It's definitely been a good summer. Yeah, this is how this is how it like it's important to me. Yes, all of that. But this is part of why I wake up this morning to my dad, my 87-year-old pops, who was at bar mitzvah practice in um, 1946 when uh, uh, when Enos Slaughter had just scored from first on a single to beat the Red Sox. He, he was 13 years old. He was crying. And the rabbi said, why are you crying? 
said, because the Red Sox just lost the World Series. You, you wouldn't understand, Rabbi. He texted me this morning. I'm wearing my Cubs hat. I don't care if the Bo Sox ever win another game. Ownership drove that franchise into the ground. I mean underground. John Henry ought to sell. That text from my 87-year-old father. <laughs> about the Red Sox. Then he sends me this Boston Globe article about how the Red Sox have officially reached a new low in terms of their pitching. In the 120-year history of the franchise, no one has ever seen what is going on right now. They've allowed eight runs in six straight games. That never occurred in the history of the Red Sox franchise. That's how awful they are right now. If they give up eight or more on Sunday, their streak of games allowing a touchdown and two-point conversion will match a major league record. That from the Boston Globe. Thank you, Herb Spiegel, for the content that you often provide. Thank you to Tony Gwynn Jr. Um, also for the conversation about the Negro Leagues and about the Players Alliance and what they're doing. There is a, uh, there's a movement within the Baseball Writers Association of America to get the name of Kennesaw Mountain Landis, the first commissioner of baseball, off of its MVP trophies. That Landis, he, he really, he made a point to make sure that black players did not get into the big leagues. He slowed down the progression and possible inclusion of black players. So that name should probably be gone from the MVP trophy. And there have uh, been other suggestions uh, to, to replace Kennesaw Mountain Landis, one of whom uh, is Branch Rickey, the boss of the Brooklyn Dodgers who, 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 who flaunted, soci or flaunted? Uh, societal rules and also baseball tradition by making a spot for Jackie Robinson. And obviously the Jackie Robinson name is on the Rookie of the Year award. So that is secure. But Branch Rickey, there's been a thought there. Frank Robinson, who won an MVP in both leagues for a long time. Is he still? I think he's still the only guy to win an MVP in each league. Sean Anderson, look that up for me. I'm pretty sure he's still the only guy to do it. Cy Young awards in both leagues. For a long time, it was only Gaylord Perry. He was the only guy to win a Cy Young in both leagues. I think that has now changed. Randy Johnson has won a Cy Young award in both leagues. Scherzer, um, right? Max Scherzer. Scherzer? I don't know if Scherzer won a Cy Young as, as a Tiger, did he? You're right about Frank yeah, Robinson. Right. He was the he's the only guy to win an MVP in both leagues. I'll look on Scherzer. Frank Robinson is still the only guy to win an MVP in both leagues. A Cy Young in both leagues. Gaylord Perry, um, uh, certainly Randy Johnson. It could be Scherzer. Yeah, not Pedro. 20, Clemens. 2013. Uh, Scherzer was AL Cy Young. Wow, tremendous. Good job by you. Clemens. Clemens win one in Houston. When they were in the NL? Let me check. He won, uh, obviously, he won with the Yankees and the Red Sox, and I think he won one in Toronto, too. Yeah, 2004, um, he was a Cy Young winner. With the, with the Astros? Yes. All right, so I think that list now is Clemens, Scherzer, Gaylord Perry, and Randy Johnson in terms of Cy Young awards in both leagues. I don't, think I'm, I don't think I'm missing anybody in super recent years. Textures will hook me up. 312-644-6767. Gaylord Perry, says, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Roy Holiday, and Max Scherzer. Ah, Holiday, of course. Toronto. So, yes, and Randy and, and Pedro Martinez. Shame on me for not giving you Pedro, my favorite pitcher of all time. <clears throat> Man. 
All right. So anyway, there is a push to rename the MVP award. So Frank Robinson gets mentioned. And then Josh Gibson, who hit 800 home runs in his career with the Negro Leagues. And I'm looking at an article right here from Sean Gibson, who is the great-grandson of Josh Gibson. This on The Undefeated about why Josh Gibson should be the man who ha- who's named to put on the MVP. There's something very fitting about that because Josh Gibson's existence in the majors was not allowed thanks to Kennesaw, Mountain Landis, among others. And Josh Gibson remains just an absolute legend. Great defensive catcher. Then all the hitting and the power. He got into the Hall of Fame in 1972, the second Negro leaguer after Satchel Paige to get there. And the convergence of, uh, of their histories of Kennesaw Mountain Landis and Josh Gibson. Really, it would make a lot of sense to, to name that award after Josh Gibson. Dusty Baker today, by the way, instead of rocking the usual Dusty Baker wristbands, is wearing Josh Gibson wristbands for MLB's celebration of the Negro League Centennial today. Um, great moment the other night that I mentioned earlier and uh, referenced Ed Howard a couple times in the conversation with Tony Gwynn Jr. And this is a great benefit to um MLB Network doing some games every once in a while with just like Greg, uh, was it Ann Springer, Armspringer? Amsinger. Thank you. Greg Amsinger and Harold Reynolds the other day doing the Cubs game. And they brought in Ed Howard via Skype or FaceTime or Zoom or what have you. And he's sitting there along with them watching the Cubs game. Potential future Cubs shortstop, Ed Howard. Watching the game, Cubs are on defense. And this is the play where Javi Baez is playing an absurdly deep shortstop, shallow left field, and makes a pick and turns and throws, what, 150 feet on a line to Anthony Rizzo to get a guy on a ground ball. And, oh, by the way, Ed Howard happens to be on the line for that moment. This is what it sounded like on MLB Network. And, and what is your advice to get through this for guys your age? Did you yeah, see Javi? Hold it, hold it, Ed. Did you see this play by Javi Baez? I see, I see. You saw that play. I'm I sorry. It. Did you see that play? <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> All right, so talk to me. Look, you're the premier defender in this 2020 draft class at shortstop. So break that play down for me. What did you see with Hop? Yeah, man, it's um, man, a backhand play deep in a hole. It's a strong arm right there. Honestly, he, he just has fun with it, man. He's so smooth. He makes it look so easy. That's just Hobby doing what Hobby does right there, honestly. You, you can't teach that. You can just you just got to do it. You know, uh, that's special, too. Hey, man, I, I got to let you go. You can't steal my job, man. You, got, you, you broke that down too good, so I'm letting you go. And, and keep working hard. I look forward to seeing you in spring training next year. And just keep it going, my man. Thank you for the time. I definitely will. Oh, that's really cool. That's Ed Howard, who happens to be on the line right there. As, uh, as they're watching Javi. It's 670 to score. Matt Spiegel is who you are listening to here on Hit and Run. And uh, a couple of little bits of news that are, are coming in just today in advance of the ball games coming up today. Um, Matthew Boyd for the Tigers is going to start against the White Sox on Monday in Chicago. Uh, Spencer Turnbull will pitch Thursday's series finale. Don't know who the other ones are. Um, but some other White Sox news. Rick Renteria said just moments ago that Dane Dunning, 
who is currently working at the team's alternate training site in Schaumburg, could be a candidate for the Wednesday TBA start. Renteria wasn't confirming anyone today. Well, there you go. That would be generally managing a season with the intensity that it deserves when your team is showing you that they could be battling for a playoff spot. I hate the boilerplate logic of we will not promote a player due to injury of another player. If a guy is ready and you're thinking you're, you know, we're two or three weeks away from him being ready. Okay. From like mentally for it. Necessity is an okay push. It really is. There can be shades of gray there in my opinion, you know, There can be shades of gray where you're like, yes, he could go in two weeks, but, oh, we need somebody? We're in a competitive year? Yes, he could go now. I don't think every time that has happened in the history of baseball has been wrong. I don't believe that. So know your personnel. Know Dane Dunning. Know where he is in terms of coming back from the surgery. Know where he is in terms of the length that he can give you, the amount of innings that he can give you. And if he's ready and you have an injury need, that's okay. That's all right. So maybe we'll see Dane Dunning on Wednesday. White Sox yesterday with another bullpen start. Matt Foster, great again. What's up with Matt Foster? My goodness. Just in his first six career appearances in the big leagues now, all as a member of the White Sox, nine and two-thirds innings, two hits, zero runs, two walks, 15 strikeouts. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Foster. Wow. So he was good again, and then things fell apart later. Bernardo Flores came up as the 29th man. Such a weird year. 29th man for the doubleheader. Cubs will have a 29th man tomorrow and Wednesday in their doubleheaders against the Cardinals. But anyway, Bernardo Flores came up. He is back down again. Could be that we will see Dane Dunning on Wednesday. That'd be kind of fun. And not just fun, probably the right thing to do in the midst of this weird-ass season. We're on for an extended amount today. Coming up at 1220, it'll be pregame with Zach Zaidman. Coming up next, our man Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, joins us to tie the room together on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score. Start your day the Mullion Hallway. You guys have provided extra special, tender, loving care. They've been in the locker rooms, on the field, and reported on the most historic Chicago sports stories ever. Has the whole world gone mad? Mullion Hall are Chicago sports. You guys really are the best. Listen every morning, Monday through Friday, 5 to 9. Only on Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago Sports Station. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. You're listening to Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. Time to get ourselves cam connected with our man Chris Kamka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago, who is working for a living on ball games. I love, I love. Hearing uh, Jason Benetti throw bouquets in your general direction. Salute, uh, as they have been of late. Uh, even on an ugly day yesterday, that's a bad doubleheader. That's an ugly doubleheader for the White Sox, but I'm sure you still found statistical interest as you do your job. Chris Kampka, good morning, buddy. How are you? Oh, what's going on? Yeah, when I hear my name, it's still like, what? Who? I've been doing this almost 10 years and still... When- Whenever I hear yeah. my name, I'm kind of like, wait, wait a minute, that's me. Anyway, 
yeah, rough doubleheader yesterday. Um, three hits in each game. Uh, the last time the White Sox had three hits in each game of a doubleheader was 1970. But, of course, only seven innings in each game, so I don't put too much stock into that. You can have some rough games. But um, it definitely looks like Loya Men is starting to heat up. That's three homers in his last four games. And he, he looks like he's finding it. So it's going to come together eventually. There's too much talent for, for them to continue the struggle as much as they had yesterday. I, um, the 100-year anniversary of the Negro Leagues uh, being celebrated and honored today, Chris Kampka, what, what do you think of in terms of the White Sox when you think of the connection to the Negro Leagues? Well, I mean, Mr. White Sox, uh, that's, what, that's one of the many nicknames of Minnie Minoso, the Cuban Comet, um, the first black player to appear in a game for the White Sox. Um, he's, I mean, he, he's got to be in the Hall of Fame, and somehow he isn't. I mean, I can rattle off a few things about his great career um, that kind of puts it in perspective. In 1950s, you had, you had five players during the 1950s hit 300 with a 400 on base percentage. Uh, you heard of the other guys, Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams, Stan Musial, Jackie Robinson, and Minnie Mignoso. He had, he had it all. He, was a, he had every tool you wanted. He had power, he had speed, good field. was one of the first gold glove winners when they first started getting him out. So um, he's the man, hmm. and he's got to get in the Hall of Fame sooner or later, hopefully 2020, uh, December 2020. We'll get that announcement. Mini Minoso. I it's just it's the some of the most remarkable statistical feats ever, uh, really, for a baseball player and for the length of a life and uh, impossible career for for Mini Minoso. This is such a weird year in general. These this 60 game season and some guys might play 55. You've got this week Charlie Blackman flirting with 500 in terms of a batting average. The rate stats are going to be crazy. The counting stats are going to be odd. What are what are some of the things that have jumped out to you in terms of the true uniqueness of what we're seeing here statistically, Chris? Well, I mean, there's a fluke thing. Heading, heading into this weekend, you had Charlie Blackman with more six-hit games, or more three-hit games, six, than the Cardinals had played games, five. So, obviously, that's no longer the case. But I think the weirdest season going on right now that nobody seems to be talking about, or at least talking about enough, is what Carlos Santana is doing for Cleveland. His, his current slash line is 177, 427, 258. He has 27 walks and 11 hits. Now, let me say a little something about that. Whoa, wait a minute. Right. Hold on. I, I didn't think I right. realized that. Dude has 27 walks and 11 hits. Yes. And <laughs> uh, since 1900. You have yeah. 42 seasons among qualified batters for the batting title. 42 seasons where a guy had more walks than hits. You have only one season that a player had one and a half times as many walks as hits, and you could probably take a guess on who that is. Yes, Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds 2004, when he had 232 <laughs> walks and 135 hits. But Carlos Santana has... 2.45 times as many walks as he has hits. <laughs> Nobody's even remotely close to that in Major League history. If you were to finish the season, now, granted, it's a shorter season, but still, come on. Yeah. 
That that is amazing. That that's absolutely amazing. I didn't realize he's got almost two and a half times as many walks than hits in this weird ass year. I mentioned uh, Chris in um in in my segment with uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. early on in the hour how Mookie Betts hit three homers on Thursday night. He now has six games in his life with three homers, tied for number one all time with Johnny Mize and Sammy Sosa. That's outrageous. This early in the man's career. Yeah, well, Mize had over a thousand more games played than Betts has. Sosa has more than fifteen hundred times more games than Betts has. Betts has only played in eight hundred and fifteen games. Eighteen of his one hundred and forty-seven home runs—that's twelve point two percent—have come in those six three homer games. And, and I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. In fact, for Sammy Sosa, Sammy Sosa didn't have his first three homer game until career game number eight hundred and sixty. Betts isn't even there yet. Wow. It's craziness. Uh, Chris, it, enjoy your job today. Enjoy your, your White Sox today. Enjoy your son. I hope, um, I hope you still like him. How, how old is he? A month now? He is, yeah. He'll be, uh, let's see, a month today. Yes, that's correct. One month old today. So wow. The White Sox Nailed it. Give him a win as a good gift. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Chris Kampka. You're the best. Chris Kampka joined us on the Alpamani Ford hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. Here's what it sounded like on Thursday night when Mookie Betts went ballistic. Paddock throws. Betts goes after the first pitch. Drives him on the right center field. It's over, Olivares. Over the wall and gone. Opposite field, two-run shot, Mookie Betts. Third home run for the Dodgers in the first two innings, and they lead 5-2. That ball's lifted to left center field, back towards the wall. Betts has done it again. They are out of their collective minds tonight. That is five home runs over the first three-plus innings for the Dodgers, two for Mookie Betts. Mookie with his first multi-home run game as a Dodger, did it 16 times in Boston. Lifts a fly ball to left center field, back towards the wall. It is gone! Mookie with another three-home run game. In the history of baseball, three men have done this six times. Johnny Mize, Sammy Sosa, and now Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts right there doing it with three home runs. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run on 670 to score. Bonus Hit and Run coming up. One more segment as we take you towards Cubs pregame coming up at 1220 right here on 670 to score. I should tell you, by the way, that tomorrow morning on the Mully and Haw Show, two absolute must-hear guests, Arturis Karnishevis, the boss of the Bulls, will do a one-on-one or one-on-two with Mully and Haw. He has not done any radio other than his uh, press conference on Friday. So that will be at 8.30 a.m. to talk about the firing of Jim Boylan and what happens moving forward. And Rocky Wirtz, right at 7 a.m. tomorrow, Rocky Wirtz will be on with Mully and Haw talking about the Blackhawks playoff series. And Rocky hasn't talked to anybody since John McDonough left the organization. So that should be must-listen-to stuff tomorrow morning with Mully and Haw right here on 670 to score. It's Spiegel Hit and Run bonus coming up. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on the score. Oh, man. 
got me all up in my feelings when you play Jeff Buckley's last goodbye like that, Sean. Be careful. You want to get me functional, keep me functional here. I might just start weeping uncontrollably. <clears throat> One of the great albums um, of all time, certainly of uh, the last 30 years, Jeff Buckley's Grace. Go get it. Go listen to it if you don't have it. Good afternoon, everybody. Was that a ding? Was that a correct ding right there? That is. That was a correct ding. Serious, man. Um, it, it's the song, the song Grace itself. Holy hell, there's just so much going on. Woo! But the whole album uh, in itself. It is Matt Spiegel here with you in an afternoon edition of Hit and Run as we have one more bonus segment leading you up towards Zach Zaidman with Cubs pregame at 12.20 and then first pitch at 1.20. John Lester going for the Cubs. He's been amazing. Lester has just been remarkable. I think the ERA stands at 1.06 after three starts. He's got two wins. It's just, and it's the way he's doing it. There might be nothing I respect more in baseball than the aging starting pitcher who figures out another way. And Lester is right now as good as it gets in that way. The, the heat is gone. The shape of his cut fastball is still there. The uh, shape of his curveball is still good. But what he figured out in summer camp was that his changeup was on fire. And all of a sudden now he's throwing his changeup an amazing amount and it's incredibly effective. He looks like Tom Glavin. This is not the way that John Lester has ever looked in terms of stuff and the way he attacks people. But he's hitting his spots like crazy and using the changeup brilliantly and getting guys to hit it weakly and meekly with some serious soft contact. Just an absolute pleasure to watch John Lester work and reminds me, as I've said before, of like certain stuff-laden lefties of my youth who aged and figured it out another way. Frank Tanana, you know? Um, Ron Guidry had a couple real good years after some injuries when he came back and he was no, no longer Louisiana Lightning. Just uh, such respect for guys when they figure that out and do it in that way. Couple things I want to get to here regarding the Cubs in our final segment. One is the manager, David Ross, who has shown a willingness, um, to be honest, and, and kind of admit some of his own mistakes or his own misconceptions that is just so welcome. Uh, somebody once told me about the life hack that is being honest with people about getting it wrong. If you get it wrong sometime, okay, you got it wrong. I take that to heart because that shows that you have an ability to be self-aware and know you're not perfect and move on and still do things with a, a sense of integrity. One of my favorite shirts that I own was sent to me by a listener after I admitted on Twitter one night, I, I, I wrote this on Twitter. I wrote, my name is Matt, and I once wanted to trade Javier Baez for pitching. I did. I wanted to trade him after the 2015 cup of coffee that featured, oh, so many strikeouts. And oh, so little of anything else. I wanted to trade him for one of those young Mets arms. Zach Wheeler was one that came to mind. So anyway, I said that one night on Twitter, and then a guy reached out to me and said, what, sh what shirt size are you? And I told him, and he sent me a shirt with a picture of Javi on it and that saying, I love that shirt. I wear it to Wrigley sometimes. What the hell? Own, own your mistakes. David Ross made a decision leading up to picking his team, picking his roster after spring training two, 
Electric Boogaloo, after the summer camp. And one of the decisions he made was, you know what? Dylan Maples just has this stuff. He's got great stuff. I want to give him a chance. I think he can do it. I get it. Okay, fine. I want to give Dylan Maples a chance. It didn't work out. He could not find the plate. Again, here's David Ross from yesterday. It's in the pregame. But it's instructive because he ends up talking about a guy who you saw yesterday and be good again. And that's Ryan Tapera, the former Toronto Blue Jay. Here's David Ross talking about the bullpen before the game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think guys are, are finding their roles, you know. I think probably early on with the extra arms down there, we had a chance to see some some guys that, you know, I kind of wanted to see in real life competition and, and their stuff and, and how they competed with it. And, you know, you know, guys like Ryan Tapera, who's come back and, and proved me wrong. You know, I, I was wrong on that. Like I went with another guy and some stuff and uh, Ryan Tapera has, has done nothing but prove himself and his worth here. And you see the innings he's being able to, to fill in for us. And, um, you know, JJ and Craig coming back around last night and Colin's done a really good job out of there. I mean, there's a, just a lot of, a lot of Kyle Ryan. I hadn't had a chance to really get him in a game and you saw him a little rusty that, uh, against Yelich for falling behind and coming back and finding it and competing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys down there that are uh, doing a phenomenal real wick. There's guys are doing a phenomenal job and finding their roles and, and we're communicating and trying to set them up for success. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with my inexperience as well and, you know, trying to trying to navigate that as best I can. It's new for me and communicating with those guys and seeing seeing who um, who we can trust in the, in the big spots. Props to David Ross. No one uh, will or should have an issue with a manager being honest about learning lessons, especially in a weird year like this. And then one more thing I want to get to you um, before we hand it off to Zach Zabman and Cubs pregame. This was from Thursday, in case you missed it. This was Anthony Rizzo leaning in to the way they feel and certainly the way he feels about this perhaps being a last dance of sorts for this core of positional players. I'm not going to shy away from this. This could be our last year together. And I think we all know that, especially with the state of the game and who knows what's going to happen. Um, this could be our last run with all our core guys. This could be my last year here. Who knows? So I'm enjoying every second of it. Um, you know, when, when, Times get tough. It's just I've I've obviously been through a tough time before. It's you start appreciating all the little things again that maybe you take for granted. I'm victim of it. I'm sure everyone, you guys are all victim of it. But um, it's the joy of the game that we're playing for right now. And uh, I think it's really showing uh, that we're just playing basically high school summer baseball right now. That's how we feel like we're playing, just going out and playing baseball and not worrying about if someone's hitting 500, if someone's hitting, you know, under 200, it's just let's win. Let's pick each other up and uh, figure it out. That's Anthony Rizzo talking about this core and how this might be the end. Uh, they've been playing very well. And as a collective, the chemistry has obviously been tremendous to watch and to see and to listen to during the ball games. Thank you to our guests today, Tony Gwynn Jr. from Radio.com, Ryan McGuffey from the Sox Talk podcast, Mark Gonzalez from the Chicago Tribune, and Chris Kamka from NBC Sports Chicago. Great job by Sean Anderson, as always, producing Hit and Run. I'm back with you next week for Inside the Clubhouse Saturday, Hit and Run on Sunday. Zach Zaidman is next with Cubs pregame. Have a wonderful day, everybody.
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.